The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Comedy Album Book Club. Uh, this is the podcast where we listen to an influential comedy album and then discuss it with comedians and comedy nerds. Before we go any further, uh, we ask you uh, do as we have done and take a listen to Sarah Silverman's album, Jesus is Magic. Sarah Kate Silverman was born in Bedford, New Hampshire on December 1st, 1970 to, to parents Donald and Beth Ann. The youngest of five siblings, Silverman referred to her childhood as only moderately fucked up with childhood bouts of bedwetting depression and parentally encouraged cursing that led to an inevitable comedy career. In 1992, at the age of 22, she began her career in stand-up and found her voice in the burgeoning alt-comedy world. A year later, she was snapped up by SNL as a writer and featured player for 18 weeks before being fired. Only one of her sketches ever made it to dress rehearsal and none ever made it to air. Bob Odenkirk of Mr. Show fame, uh, also a writer at the time, said of the matter, I could see how it wouldn't work on SNL because she's got her own voice. She's very much Sarah Silverman all the time. She can play a character, but she doesn't disappear into the character. She makes the character her. Uh, she said that she wasn't ready at the time and she, that she got the job and later parodied the experience in the Larry Sanders show episode, The New Writer. This didn't slow her down, though. She continued in her stand-up, joined the cast of Odenkirk and Cross's legendary old comedy sketch program, Mr. Show, in 1995 through 1997, filmed the independent film Who's the Caboose, moved to L.A. and started shopping around pilots, which she also later farmed for material, creating the limited series pilot season, and made her television stand-up debut on Letterman in 1997. It can never be said that Sarah didn't work hard. Between leaving Saturday Night Live and filming her special Jesus is Magic, which later became the album that we listened to of the same name, she also appeared on episodes of Star Trek Voyager, an episode of Seinfeld, the TV show VIP, appeared as a season regular on Greg the Bunny, as a puppet in the show Cranky Anchors, (laughs) and the movie There's Something About Mary, Say It Isn't So, School of Rock, The Way of the Gun, Overnight Delivery, Screwed, Heartbreakers, Evolution, School for Scoundrels, and in Rent. Um, Sarah Silverman, Jesus' Magic special uh, was released in 2005 and was directed by the creator of my go-to karaoke song, My United States of Whatever, Liam Lynch, creator of Syphil and Ollie, the director of Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny, and an accomplished musician who studied under Paul McCartney at the Liverpool School for the Performing Arts. 
The special and subsequent album is a perfect fusion of these two creative forces. Their mutual irreverence and love of music created a music-infused comedy special that challenges the viewer. In the run-up to the release of the film, Sarah made the rounds of the Comedy Central roast circuit, appearing in Pamela Anderson and Hugh Hefner's roasts, as well as featuring in articles on Slate and on the cover of Hebe magazine. Uh, the special went on to earn $1.3 million at the box office with a limited release in North America and in the United Kingdom, only going out to 57 theaters. Well, it had meager box office return and poor critical ratings with 64% on Rotten Tomatoes, it stands at number 14 in the top grossing comedy concert films of all time, beating out Sandra Bernhardt's Without You and Nothing and coming in behind Dysfunctional Family by Eddie Griffin. So today we're joined by Sirius XM top comic finalist Shanti Mrostica um, from our Adam Sandler episode, They're Gonna Laugh at You, and comedian Kat Letwin, and our, from our Eddie Izzard Force Majeure episode, playwright, actor, and semi-professional Cupid enthusiast, Adam Bailey. So, um, Shanti, uh, you selected this album. Um, what drew you to it, and what made you choose it? Um, it was my fa- It was one of my favorite albums back when it was released, and that's what I guess I just heard that that's 14 years ago? Yeah, about that. Now about you- that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's around the time that I started comedy, and I'm a very, like, positive, um, positive like comic that doesn't swear a lot so I found that it was like I was like oh she's challenging all these things and I picked it today because it really shows it almost mirrors my growth as a person because I don't find it funny anymore and I want I'm like <laughs> why 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 don't I it's because I'm I'm queer and I find I I consider myself an ally when I watched it back in the day I uh, I guess I was like, this is a be, come because I wanted to be a comic, and because I later became a comic, and I was I, I identified as a woman back then, and being a female in comedy was hard, and anything that you did bring to the stage, men challenged, mm-hmm. and she was up there talking about everything a man could talk about, and just also like the tongue in cheek, getting away with these things, but also flipping them on their side because it felt like she knew that she was being a real bad girl, you know. <laughs> um, there's like a subversiveness in how she brings, like she's saying the same jokes like a. a dude comic would say but their tweeishness is like just yeah it would be like a dirty show and it would be like i'm telling all these truths but it's just some incel loser talking about the most uh, uh, like uh, crazy crazily offensive things but she's doing it with this like smile and this twinkle in her eye and i really appreciated that about her because like before that robin williams was my favorite comic and i just loved what she was doing but when i listen to it today i'm like that's so gross it's just mm-hmm. it's not what we do as a uh, like a community as a as people anymore it's not what we talk about or it would not be it would not pass on any stage but yeah. it does stand alone as a as a very good album for the time and she really i don't know stood out as a female comic and just as a comic in general i i just wanted to kind of everybody to dive into wh- why why we'd love it and why we wouldn't why we would push away from it now yeah I just want to say, like, you know, she's grown a lot since then. But this yeah, is she still... said that she's regretted it. She said that she's regretted Jesus is magic, which I don't think she should, because time is time is time, right? Well, I, mean, but, but, I don't know what that means, but yeah. But there's other comedians <laughs> that are still time is time. Yeah, <laughs> time is time. yeah, yeah, you know, like Anthony Jeselnik. This is still his material. Like this is still yeah. what some guys like, are doing. There's still... She wouldn't yeah. do this today. Yeah, she yeah. wouldn't do it today. But there's, you can still see comedians 
doing this type of humor. That's so they've never that. changed it. They've never yeah. grown a, an inch in their entire career. Yeah, and yeah. The, I, I find those comics tend to be the ones who like automatically blame the audience every time something goes like, wrong. Like Jerry it's... Seinfeld going, ooh, PC college students. I'm like, no, you just did a shit joke, man. Yeah, you're yeah. bad. You're yeah. bad. Yeah, you made me a great you're comedian, a but it was a hack joke. Yeah. <laughs> like, sorry. Yeah, like it doesn't matter like who, who you are. It's the work always speaking for itself. Yeah. So if it's not speaking to the people that you are talking to, then you can't blame them for listening and being like, yeah, I heard you. I just, no, yeah. go well, home, please. And they're the ones that pay 10 bucks to laugh. So, yeah. you know, if, 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 if you're making sandwiches for people and you make a shit sandwich, you know, literally, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be pissed off at you. And if you are being paid to tell jokes and you're telling shit jokes, yeah. people have a right to be, you know, to not and, like it. Kat, how did you come to the album? Um, this was actually the first time I'd uh, heard it. I knew that it was around. Um, I was never necessarily a huge fan of Sarah Silverman growing up. It was one of those things where I understood her to be important. Like, I knew her voice was something that at the time was was different and and I do think needed exactly what you were saying, Shanti. Um, the way this this kind of uh, sweet way of her telling these awful, awful jokes, it was the idea that she was doing that and that no one is going to come for her. No one's going to be like, okay, yeah, but or if they did, she'd be like, I, I <laughs> suck my dick. <laughs> yeah. she, it was, I think it's important because at that time she was doing what all men were doing, but it's not okay for a woman to do that. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Wait a minute. It sounds like there's literally been an entire millennia of history of this exact thought process behind literally everything women have <laughs> yeah. ever done. Yeah. <laughs> no, listening to today, I was like, holy shit, this is so offensive and it's yeah. so it's so wrong. But it's like somebody had to do that yeah. so that women had could talk about the same things that men were talking about. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know, like you said, she regrets it, but I don't think she should in a way because by laying down this foundation, she's able to springboard her comedy off and go like this was offensive. But now you're thinking about why this is offensive, and that's really the point. I think it's more layered than we think it is. Yeah. I don't. Th I don't think that she's a racist, and I think that she's probably a great ally, and she regrets it. But w w I don't. There's. You listen to um. Uh, what's it by uh, Eddie Murphy? What's that, that one? Raw uh, comedian. Yeah, Com comedian. The the first. We did, that was our last album. That was our one year episode. You and listen to that and you're not like, wow, times have, it's like, that's, fu that's fucked. Yeah. That's he, like he, he apologized. He was filming in San Francisco and the community there were like, dude, you, what the fuck? And, but and like, the, like if you hold people accountable to, uh, from uh, now to what they said before, you can't because yeah. people talked about those things because we, now we're, uh, we with like social media and, and the world being more open as it is, we see each other's stories. So you can't just be like, be like an outward racist and be like, well, they're not going to hear it. And we see each other. The view is the scope is so wide that mm -hmm. it's not like PC culture. We just get to see that we're hurting someone. Yeah. We get to know we're not, it's not just like, like all, uh, I guess. No, you know what I'm saying? I like, know exactly. <laughs> well, like, I know like, exactly like, what yeah, you're saying like with Eddie Murphy at 19. His if you're saying tranny, yeah, yeah, and your worldview it is, he's this album at 18 years old. Like, he doesn't know anything, and he's saying the word tranny like it's nothing, but has he ever met a trans person? Yeah, at that point, yeah. probably not. Yeah. Like I did, I'd never met a trans person. Now I am one, and like yeah. I, you, if you don't see that, if you don't see that, you don't know that you're hurting someone. Yeah, I don't know. You can't hold. I don't think you can hold someone to the same standards 30 years ago as you can today. Yeah. Sorry, I, I actually had uh, uh, this. Uh, so this this thing happened. I was uh, doing a set at Comedy Bar. This was like maybe two years ago, and 
um, my brother happened to be in town. He was you know, he had a layover from his flight. And Dave and I always loved telling jokes to each other when we were younger, and especially like the more risque, the grosser, the better. And so we're hanging around with all my comedian friends and telling jokes. And there was this one thing that I used, he and I used to say as kids. We'd be like, oh, that sucks worse than a cheap time when he's a whore. Like that, we thought that was funny. Yeah. And I have since then been like, oh no, oh, oh no, no. Because no. you, you know everything that's wrong with that. Exactly. Now. And then that you're shaming sex workers, that that's racist. Like yeah. there's yeah. so many things that go into that. But when you're a kid, you just say those things. You don't really understand the gravity of what you're saying. It's funny. It's, uh, you know, like, because like, it, it you're so dumb. So it's like, shock value. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 the mark of a good comedian in a lot did of ways he say when it, it comes to this comedy is yeah, he like, did. <laughs> he said it to everyone in the group and, and you were like no we don't do that anymore. oh my god <laughs> I was like that, that, tra- that train is gone <laughs> that train is derailed for good reason you, ju- you just ascended yeah I would <laughs> I just I immediately melted into the floor and like Pat, Patton Oswalt kind of talks about this too from he did an album at the same period where he's like he had a gay pride parade joke um, and he's like yeah no and he's recently talked about it and there's an article I think in Slate I can't remember. Um, but he's like, yeah, I, that was lazy writing. It was hurtful. And it was just, I was just ignorant, you know, yeah. and it, it, people, you know, people grow. And it's, it's that yeah. you grow and you own that mistake that makes it like, it doesn't fix it, no. but it, it, it means you own it and you've grown from it. I read that Eminem regretted on his latest album. I think it's called Kamikaze that he said a homophobic slur and I'm gathering that it's faggot. And he was like, I'm so, I apologize. Like, I, I, he you felt don't get bad. You apologize for the album that you just released. You though. just released, yeah. but he's 40. <laughs> he's 40. Yeah, he's so much different than I was last But week. he's 45 <laughs> years old and yeah. he has what, like 20 albums under his belt? I don't even know. I don't listen to him. I think he's so offensive. Yeah. But the irreparable damage that he has done to our, my community yeah. is like, there's so many men that think that it is okay to just be the, so full of hate. You're just using words to sell albums, yeah, but one time on the, the were, this yeah. one time at 45 years old, you're going to regret saying faggot when you've said it your entire career yeah. with so much hate towards my community. Yeah. You've created so many people that hate our community just because you, you're saying these things. But what like with Sarah, she doesn't say these jokes anymore. No. That's like she can look at it and be like, that was super lazy. That was fucked up or wh- whatever, whatever she feels cool. about it now. But it's yeah. like you can watch someone grow like if Patton now is like that, that was lazy. That I lo- I love that if you can be accountable for your actions and reflect on it and know what you would change now, but like and then just watching other people just be like, oh, I'm really sorry, I said faggot yesterday. Yeah, and and you know that one time you know Eminem was on stage with Elton John doesn't like automatically get him a hall pass. Wait, and what? Like, it doesn't. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Oh. No, no. My my but what was wait. Eminem was on stage one time with Elton John. For what, what song reason? did they do together? I want to know. It was the Emmys. It was what? A, yeah, like, like years they, ago. They gave away a thing together? Or? This show was no, they performed about. together. Just like such a hard <laughs> candle in the wind. Performed what? I'm just thinking of like, don't let the up. sun go down on me with George Michael and Eminem comes out and he's just like, like there's a rap stop faggots. Like, Sorry for saying faggots so much. I'm not the same person I was three minutes ago. <laughs> so gross. But, okay, okay, so like before we came here, I actually had to because I, I actually asked Matt um, if you ever do Jesus's Magic, bring me back on for that one because it's also one that like really affected me in 2004 when I first saw it, mm-hmm. and then listening it to it today, I was like. Uh, there's a lot of problems. Yeah, I hadn't here. listened to it since I watched it when I was basically a kid, and I I loved it because I just loved 
I don't, I don't ever, I've never told jokes like that. I've never been an offensive comic or sworn a lot, but yeah. people like think that I am like, they're like, do you have a clean set? I'm like, I don't, I think it's just cause I'm gay. You, you think I'm a dirty comic? I don't know. Yeah. But like, I don't, I just was like to watch another woman be on that stage and talk about whatever she wanted to talk about and just be so sweet and cute about it. Like use her femininity to sell things that were so insane like yeah. just to, just yeah. to, to 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 wear that and just i there was something about it that i just was so proud of her and i was it it just really stood out to me as an album when i was coming up as a when i wanted to be a comic and then yeah. eventually was yeah it was yeah. what was liberal at that time right yeah. like li liberal was taking everything to the furthest edge like, li like yeah like being, south park with, yeah before yeah. edge lording became like such a horrible thing thanks to the internet <laughs> yeah. You know? like, yeah. like when you push like all these people like to the edge uh, like they create this horrifying society of these edge lords and it's like oh this is oh we must destroy it with fire but, but like that was what liberal was at that moment yes. and i think and i think there's this odd thing that happens with um, gay rights as as a symbol of what liberalness is because I think when it was about visibly seeing gay and lesbian couples, there was this thing about like the visibility of it, about making it visible. But we can see we can see and say and do whatever anyone else does, and that was the big thing. Mm -hmm. And now I think as um, gay marriage has happened and trans rights take over the LGBT um, queer causes, that's like yeah. the big thing we're fighting for right now, and that has a lot to do with privacy. And respecting that you don't ask someone what bathroom they use, and you don't ask yeah. them what's between their legs, and you don't ask them. And so there's a there's a different mental. We're in a different aesthetic place right. where it comes to like putting everything out versus keeping some things for ourselves. And I think that's where we are. It's just yeah, how our community evolves and changes as yeah. well. Because yeah. I think like Getting Sarah, to exist as a person and not as a symbol or as, as yeah, because we had to exist ideas. as something yeah. to yeah. be that, and then it's like, well, now we're taking it back, like. But this was a very, like, I think when I watched this, I understood in 2004 that she was a liberal doing a liberal set and she was making fun of these tropes. Like, I got and how people there was actually a character there. Yeah, it's, a, it's completely a character piece. Yeah. Well, there's, um, in her biography, uh, Bedwetter, she talks about meeting a famous musician who was a big, like, she was a big fan of, and he was like, oh, I love Jesus' magic. I love Jesus' magic. And she's like, oh, you know what? Thanks, I'm big fan of you too and he, she's like turn, he, he then turns to his friends and says yeah she tells the best n-word jokes and then she's just like oh oh uh, yeah no oh and I thought I think that's possibly the moment she realized what she did what she did because it's like that's not everybody knows that yeah. it's like what what tongue-in-cheek is or yeah. that subtext does not exist like we were talking about like rick and morty or about south park like people will be like yeah kill women yeah yeah <laughs> or the, the, the ginger the ginger thing that happened on south park yeah the, the latest I, episode that's all yeah. anyone actually said but, 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 uh, conversation it was, was just about <laughs> incels like making heroes out of people that are obviously villains yes yeah. but but they yeah. did an episode where where cartman started uh like a cartman Sort of like a, a neo-Nazi-esque group yeah. out of um, out of hating gingers to show how stupid racism was and how yeah. you could be you could make racism about anything. Yeah. And what ended up happening was anti-ginger groups actually started appearing. And it's because like a ginger day across yeah. the and people yeah. were getting assaulted. Yeah, and it was like it's like if you it don't was supposed to show how dumb racism was and instead started a brand new niche form of racism. But that's what like is dangerous <laughs> about art is like that you think you're doing one thing but it can be taken in any way. Yes, right? As and everybody gets a joke. Everybody hears a joke but they everybody receives it in their own way. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh God, absolutely! Like um, there was uh, some of the jokes um, in Jesus's Magic. I'm listening to it, and I'm like, oh, a like this is well constructed. B like I can hear how uh, subversive and funny this is. Like this is coming from the point of view of someone who understands what they're saying is is stupid and and wrong <laughs> yeah. and gross. But you're right. Like to someone else's ears, they come in. They're like, "Huh, yeah, those are exactly the thoughts that yeah. have been percolating AIDS in the old brain." It's fucking hilarious. Like, or, yeah, or like just, or like, or uh, basically shaming sex workers or yeah. anything. There's just everything about it is really wrong. Like, they, yeah. she tears it, apart it's, everybody. It's kind of like, it's, it's interesting because, like, I'm a big fan of a lot of these sort of like early alt comic space performers. Um, so, like, you know. Patton and and Sarah and that and it's like they're kind of like punk rock comedy at the day whereas like punk rock is again it's attacking thing it's it's attacking what we think comedy we is think, yeah so it's like so it's like it, it, she's taking these concepts that she's trying to like you know pillory and and tear down and sort of throwing them up there for an, an absurd caricature esque of like uh, I can imagine yeah. like going to clubs back then for her and seeing the kind of material that men are telling and seeing yeah. what they get away with and then wanting to turn it on its side because like yeah. why the fuck not and why can't she but yeah and that's, yeah that's it really doesn't age well uh, but it, yes you're right like so much comedy doesn't a lot of things sad. don't age well because we you just learn that's what the past is for so that we don't it's, it's kind of like Mel Brooks her comedy is a little bit like Mel Brooks like there's certain movies Mel Brooks movies like. Um, you know, Young Frankenstein. That aged pretty well. There's still some problematic scenes, but then you know, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Uh, no, not not does not does not stand up. Oh no, up. I haven't I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen, seen it. But it's, I can kid. just I'm just thinking about it. and It's probably a lot of shaming of like, oh a yeah, lot of, a queer lot shaming, of sh- homophobia, yeah. a lot, gender yeah. policing against male. Yeah, like, like yeah. we yeah. are men, manly men. We're men in tights, like that whole. And it's, it's jokes he'd been doing for. 30 years by that point but he didn't change them up in a way that they worked anymore yeah. i think like because he's playing so so the one of the difficulties stand-ups have is they're often playing a character who has the same name as them and looks like them yeah. um, <laughs> oh okay but, but, that's but, what i do <laughs> but like let me explain okay, what when, you do to you when, uh, I do comedy, when i do comedy a lot of the time i'm dressed up as cupid or i'm playing a character right so like yeah. if i'm on stage as adult baby cupid you know 100% that that is not a real person. Well, uh, like, adult like the diapers audience, are not your go-to No, that's not clothing. what I normally wear out. <laughs> um, unless it's a fringe tent. Um, <laughs> but like, I can say horrific things that are true as Cupid that I, that as Adam, I can't say. And, and and there's an understanding of the audience that there is a... Mo- like, all that technical, all that separation. work that you could see in Sarah Silverman that you were like, but I know a lot of people in the audience can't see that. By putting it like a, this Buffon kind of like yeah. character, the audience does see that work, and it's it's funny getting them to laugh and then having them. Some of the moments in Jesus Magic where we were all horrified at the audience laughing and clapping. When I do Cupid, they tend to go dead silent. Like I do a ten minute set on Celine Dion and her relationship with Renee and how creepy and gross that is. And it's funny watching them go ah ah oh like like and, and you really get those beautiful moments of whoa whoa what what just happened where'd this go? And I think. It would be so much nicer if, if, you know, we got to hear that audience on this album. But what we got was, like, racism. Yeah. <laughs> or the guy who went, woo, to a rape joke. <laughs> <I'm> like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, wow. She calls him out, too. She's like, I knew something good would come out of this. Yeah. And, like, and you, you know in that moment she's pointing out how stupid it is that this audience is clapped like, yeah. at a rape joke. Yeah. 
and and yeah, she like in it. She like hates her audience. She's like, I, I don't know, just some of the things that she says to them. She's making fun of them. Yeah. while she's on stage. So Vulture magazine I, um, compiled a list of the 100 most influential jokes ever, and around the 50 mark is. Uh, is the I got raped by my doctor when I was 13 you must understand the bittersweet irony as a Jewish girl like that joke is on the list and they say it's one an example of women being daring and and it's she's like the one person who can probably tell a rape joke well but then B they said as the caveat afterwards this is the joke every terrible male comedian points to when they want to tell their rape joke yeah 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 and and it's so interesting that we're just like okay let's look at the differences between uh, uh, you two and, uh, see if you can spot them and uh, yeah. <laughs> now uh, I'll give you some time For, I yeah I'll give you some time to work this out yeah. how long do you need fifteen years twenty years <laughs> yeah well the, 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 it's passed so let's see it let's hear it <laughs> Adam how did how did you come to this album. I, I rented it from Suspect Video when I was uh, when it was two thousand and four, oh. and I watched it with um, some straight white guys. And, and here's the funny thing: straight white guys—that's like an easy go-to now in comedy. That's the new <laughs> Michael Jackson of jokes. Uh, but what was weird was like I was watching it, and laughing it, and loving it. I love female comedians. I love edgy female comedians. And, and this one guy, after the movie was done, we finished watching it, and we're outside having our smoke, and he's like. I don't know what I thought about that, says straight white dude to me, the queer one. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I think that set was really problematic and she only got away with it because like she's really beautiful and, and she's a Jew so she can like play like that she's not white while she's saying these things. And I was like... In 2004, this person 2004. That? That's a guy pretty who a large guy for, for 2004. What happened? What happened? What, you sweet I baby, t- what happened? <laughs> but like... I was like, <laughs> dollar beers. <laughs> dollar beers. No, no, not Doug Ford. Rob Ford. He. Oh, oh okay. Right. There's a. There's a. There's no difference. Um, <laughs> yeah, there is. But but like he 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 was the one who said all these things. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but it's it's subversive, and you're supposed to. And he's like, I don't know if that makes it like. And literally, this wow. like straight white dude, tall, has a good like, like was saying all these things, and, and my little queer head was like, but when women say dirty jokes, I laugh like. <laughs> So, like you've all watched the special, um, there's a lot of differences in the, between the special and the the album. Um, special clocks in about an hour and ten minutes of material. The lot fewer musical numbers than like a lot fewer songs than on the album. Whereas the album is you know 45 minutes uh, with only 17 minutes of stand up. Like one thing I listen to the album, like damn, can she sing? Like you think, yeah. you know, like she she she's not somebody who's like, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm cute and I got a guitar. I'm going to like play a little song and be silly. She, she like some of those songs, she could had a career as a singer quite mm-hmm. quite easily. Yeah, she uh, she also uh, I remember seeing a video going around. Mm-hmm. She did this uh, partnership with the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville, mm-hmm. um, and because they also sponsor, uh, there's a like a songwriting guild there for all the country musicians. And anyway, so she paired up with one of these songwriters and they wrote a song together and she performed it at the Bluebird, which is a very famous, intimate uh, country music venue. And it was like gorgeous. It was like about her mom and it was so sweet oh, and yeah, heartfelt she's a real mama's and girl. <laughs> yeah, she, she loves her mom. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, uh, it was the first time I'd heard her like really, you know, sing and also having it have emotion behind exactly. it exactly and, and that vulnerability and that honesty yeah. was just like <laughs> anyway i cut you off to tell you a, no, no, a, a just story it's just like sort of, of like, yeah it's it, like it's no she's a real musical like, theater voice yeah. and i 
Yeah. It reminded me of Amy Mann. Like, I was like, oh, these are the songs from Magnolia. No, yeah. they're about dying in an old age home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I think was part of Magnolia. Uh, <laughs> but in, like, I'm, I'm a comedy music fan. Like, you know, Weird Al. And, and, oh, yeah. Uh, like, I, I love Weird Al. This, you know, there's so many good, like, Garfunkel and Oates is another one where they, they do some terrific, like, and again, it's almost Silverman-esque playing the edge like you know the this party or the douche song but making it sound pretty yeah yeah Yeah. um but you know in the case of weird owl songs for example you take them out of the context of one of his albums any album drop it on its own they're sort of self-sustaining is it's it's a sketch beginning middle and end Mm -hmm. but a lot of silver and at least from this album outside of the context of the album they don't really work like so do you find that like her the songs are, are more geared to support the I don't know I, in this? I often find myself thinking it's not cold in here you're just dying like like <laughs> that is actually probably one of the lines that have stuck to me with me the most from this album I think that, that it's just I think they were just they they're jokes that were in the album that were supposed to be in like were jokes that she probably wanted to work on the album but she did to just put music behind them I don't know it just it it's when you when you watch Jesus is Magic, the whole thing feels like comedy, and I was very surprised to hear that the the amount of jokes is only like twenty minutes. Yeah. yeah. But she is she wanted to push forward that she is a, also a musical comedian. Yeah. I just feel like one doesn't exist without the other. Yeah. And like the only bits she kept, like there, like I wrote down all the stuff that was cut. Mm-hmm. Like the only stuff that she kept really served to support. Another joke, sure, yeah. yeah. The song joke that comes up, like yeah, like you know, the German yeah. car thing. And yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's interesting. There's one song on the album because we you know we've talked about how this is problematic. It almost addresses that. So it's like I'm surprised we all can sing. I think it's called. Or everyone oh, everybody sings, sings. Everybody sings. And like Ugh. it ends with such. It's like it's these her- horrible stereotype after horrible stereotype. But it almost addresses that because at the end she's just like exposing herself as a big hypocrite because she was going to do a, a verse about Jewish people. And yeah. she's like, no, but my people have suffered. And it, yeah. which is like, that <laughs> is the perfect ending for a set because it's just like a, you, and you were laughing at all this. You did not get it. You're all hypocrites. Yeah. Right. You know? And it's like, I'm actually surprised that didn't make it into the special. I listening to that song in particular, honestly, um, because this was, I've, I've actually never seen the special. I know you said we've, we've I've never heard it. the album. Yeah. So I, yeah. Well, this is great. We can just exchange notes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, going like at, at some point yesterday while I was listening to all these tracks, I was just like, Oh my God, I would turn this off. Like I just, I have to listen to this for this podcast. And I know now for, I guess my own edification. Sure. Finish what you start. Um, and that song in particular, by the time I got to the end of it, I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. I see the joke. But do you really think that ending is enough for everything you just yeah. said? Really? Yeah. Do you really think that? Because uh, if you do, I personally think you, madame, are wrong. I said politely to no one. <laughs> yeah, because I had my headphones on. I was just on my balcony. Like, and geez. somewhere on the set of I Love You, America, Sarah Silverman had a shiver. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, when I, I when I listened to it this morning, because I, I picked it for the reason to, because I knew that it wouldn't age well for me. And I yeah. wanted to talk about how much comedy has grown, how much we've all grown, how much she's grown. But I was listening to this morning. I was like, holy shit. It was hard. It was very hard to listen yeah. to because I was dying when I watched it with my brother. He like he like burnt a CD for me and we watched it together. And I was I thought it was so funny, but it was I don't think. Ugh, no. So part of comedy is also like there, there's a naughtiness. Like I did a lunacy cabaret 
and the audience there wants to see something that that is pushing that edge thing and there's like in a group because you said you laughed when you saw it with your brother i think there's a difference between and like when we just listened to it the three of us together we laughed at things that probably at home alone like my cats gave me bad looks for listening to this album um, <laughs> like what's wrong with you uh, we don't use those words in this house and, <laughs> and and but like when when you're suddenly in a group like I saw Sandra Badaglini um, and she does really rough material but in, in an environment like Lunacy where it's like about, about kind of subverting together mm. it works but then again her stuff it is feminist in a different way, like because because she's she's definitely hitting more feministy notes, but it's all the stuff that you wouldn't want to talk about in public, like abortion. Okay. Um, she does she does like a good well, I... five minutes on abortion <laughs> <laughs> and what you would do if a fetus was brought out on stage. Like yeah, it's it... <laughs> that is a great question. Yeah, it's worth five minutes. Let's explore that. Yeah, yeah. With, um, <laughs> Silverman though, like she uh, and and she talks about this in her in Bedwetter. Like, her dad would literally, as, like, a five-year-old, set her up to say, like, oh, fuck you, granny, that shit, kind of thing, like, to her food and stuff. And it's almost like that, and because she's <laughs> had very delayed growth, like, she was the size she was at, like, nine or ten until she was, like, 16. So she, that was where her bedwetting came from, a lot of her... What? Say that again? She had, she, she was very delayed in her, in hitting puberty. So it, she, it didn't actually kick in in full force until, like, 16, 17, so she was 16 and looked like a 12, 13 year old. Oh, uh, so her she had stunted, and that's where the bedwetting came from because she, her like bladder and all of that didn't, didn't grow, grow with properly. her. Oh wow! Um, but so she very early on she's being trafficking in juxtaposing sort of cute adorableness against really really dirty jokes. Yeah, and, she's and almost her, raised her, to be that way. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's like you know manifest destiny. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's almost like you know, and it's, it feels like that carries through. Career, like well, Wreck It Ralph. I'm just thinking like that because <laughs> like she's perfect in Wreck It Ralph. And yeah. I haven't character. seen it, but I even watching you Sarah haven't Kate. Seen no, I keep Ra- mean. I can't, whenever I'm like I want to watch a movie, I always try. I just fuck whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little, it. it's a little no, no, tiny cartoon. cartoon Sarah yeah, Sony. she's just a little, but yeah. she's a child, and that's what she is. Like that's yeah. why she gets away with things is because she makes you. She looks like a kid. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you, someone just oh, oh geez, how sweet. There's no like, way that what you, the you know, fuck you did you just say? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I find too, like I certainly don't mind like, uh, like d- dirty jokes. Like, oh, uh, one of, I, I will say one of my favorite jokes on the Jesus's Magic album was, the, uh, she like hoping her grandma got raped, uh, but the idea <laughs> that she's only hoping that so that she can finally prove herself as like being right and and worthwhile to her parents. <laughs> so like twisting that around onto herself, but also using the vehicle of these taboo subjects of dead grandma hopes there's semen in her vagina uh doing a rape kid on gram gram like (laughs) i i i i I don't know i'm fine with that it's um it's other stuff (laughs) take issue well even the casual stuff like the like the in 2004 is like that oh that's okay that's okay and i was like oh i forgot we all used to say that that remember when we all used to say that's okay and in my brain i'm like you're right. We used to say that's okay, and we should have been saying that's lame. And I was like, no. Oh, we no. Have been oh, no, no. Like, yeah. My brain actually went through the progress of yeah, what like, we all do oh. in society. Like, yeah. I was like, why were I laughed people... so hard when she was like, that's so gay. And it wasn't a joke. That was just something that she was just saying. Yeah. Like, that was just like how you, what you talk like. But, but we were really uncool back then because we were still, you know, recovering from the AIDS crisis and scared of sex. So, of course, that was the public's perception. They, uh, 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 they, 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 most kids just didn't even put any thought into it. I mean, like, you know, like, 
little boy in the in the schoolyard oh that's gay it's like they're not thinking of the aids crisis they're just like that's just what everybody says yeah it's like when you say lame and until you put thought behind the words like being a queer comic and being a uh um somebody who's what am I trying like a pillar in the queer community I can't I'll, I'll do a show and then I'll get like an email from a white woman that's like <laughs> it's always a white woman yes you said stupid in your set and when like I'm riffing I don't I saw I'm not always thinking about my language and I'm still growing as a person and so I'm like and then they explain to me that that's ableist to say the word stupid and I try to like anytime somebody tells me something that is offensive I try to change my language so that I just come across better to all audiences you know mm-hmm. but just it, get <laughs> i don't know where i'm going <laughs> just, I, I you say that but you don't know you don't where the language is coming from like yeah you know, like, I, I said lame yeah. for everything because i was like well i can't say that's gay because i'm gay and that's so problematic well i'll say lame and i'm like oh my god when i actually and then when i learned what yeah. that word meant like you it's just because we're not educated and we're becoming educated as a society, so th- yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, no, you know exactly what you're talking you're about. That, you're saying I do. You're I just you're, yeah. as soon as I start talking about something meaningful to myself, I'm like, who's talking right now? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so like, how how do you handle that? Like the the like she talks about. I, I, I mean, I, I powered through the audio version of Bedwetter, even though I have it. Um, she talks, so it's fresh in my mind. But she talks about like the blood in the mouth part of the joke, like with where you know that's kind of the setup for the payoff being the oh the click of the light going on and the person realizing the actual uh, the the actual intent of the joke whereas like you know this is something that's uncomfortable but then the payoff is oh wait a sec you know i say that or i do that i'm wrong okay i'm gonna this joke made me figure something out about myself and grow so like how do you balance that as as funny people as comedians like how do you balance that out like how do you figure out where to draw the line is it like a personal call like how do you figure it feel so like? i think it's easier in sketch because you can contextualize yeah. you can contextualize that better it's really hard when you're just being yourself on stage even if you say that's not me that's a character that i gave my own name the audience doesn't get that they they get that that's you and so we all know, I think, that Sarah Silverman does not talk in real life the way that she talks in Jesus is Magic. Yeah, or on the Sarah Silverman program. Like, she tries to push the limits and is, like, so offended. She's basically, like, human Cartman, you know? Like, as a yeah. white Jewish woman, I guess. But I, I don't know. And she's playing with the idea of her, her privilege, right? Like, she's playing yeah. with the idea that she has yeah. a shield against people telling her she's privileged. And, I mean, the Sarah Silverman program, the depiction of the gay guys on that show, I thought was so progressive. Like mm-hmm. I was so fed up with Will and Grace when that show came on, mm-hmm. because as a, as a waiter in Toronto when Will and Grace was on the air, you have no idea. I had tables ask me to serve them as Jack. No. Uh, yeah. No. So I was like, I was oh like, God, you got to do it for the tips. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I was just oh like, no. I was like, what the hell they're doing? Do Jack to two thousand, and they would want me to do the Jack moves. I was like a Twinkie waiter, and I was like, what? Oh this, my God. And this is supposed to be a progressive show. I like, I I get why it's progressive, but I'm I like. No. Yeah. Whereas we have. In- well, when it's not us writing it or us starring in it, it's yeah. not really like a Jack. And then, and then it's also meant, you know, um, uh, so much of the audience for that show were like straight people, were families, and so it's like, oh my god, Tihi, oh, so we get to feel like we're kind of like, oh, this is bad, like, oh my god, we get to know about this culture, and then you know, immediately uh, take the bits of it that they think are funny or that they like, like cut it away from the humanity of it, of lived experience, and then be like, great, I'm gonna uh, package and resell it to everyone as well, and then force you into this kind of almost like gay minstrel scene. So, so, so sit, yeah. taking, so, and yes, uh, everything you just said, like that's, thank you. I'm yeah, that would be like what we were talking about before, like it would be gay face, like, yeah. had yeah. to, 
giant orange men, and that's what she called them. Like these yeah. are orange <laughs> men, like like um, be be the gays in the show, and and they and it was one of those few cases where I think it was right to have people who weren't necessarily. I actually don't know the sexuality of the actors, but I presume uh, they're they're, right. they're both het- male. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I thought it was good casting for that because they were so the opposite of what you think of when you think gay couple, except. Me and my husband do catch farts in jars, and we are gross, and we do like we're both we're all people. We're all Steve Adji and Brian Fussain are just like big lumbering metal heady kind of guys. And the thing is, like they just that's you know they just play themselves, but as they play themselves as gay and 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 just normalizing gayness. Like when I see sketch troops, like uh, like you write a scene for a couple, but have them both be same sex or whatever just in so that you normalize it to an audience instead of that being the joke it's just like that's what people look like that's what relationships look like yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely um and going back to that point you say where it's a bit easier in sketch comedy to figure out that kind of line like whoa one of the last like long sets i did um at sketch fest i there was one sketch in particular where i'm like my goal with this i want to see how like dangerously low to the ground I can fly with the audience before I can like pull them back up and we're all safe but there's still that terror of crashing and when we were workshopping that sketch I remember the first time um, there were just certain beats that went on too long or like a line or two here that was just I'm like oh this is too much like on its own it's a funny line but now in conjunction with all these other lines and the the growing tension that we're having in the sketch um, I'm like oh boy that's that's gotta go because now now we've just we've crashed we've we have burned um but yeah getting to to rehearse that especially having like a scene partner and then having friends of mine who are like have a good eye to be able to say like okay this this and this structure wise keep this or or take this away and then then we can laugh at it then no one's gonna like walk out in a righteous anger which was actually a part of the the review of that set uh one reviewer said as as soon as we were about ready as an audience to walk out in righteous anger the script uh, is is flipped on its head and then we're all laughing and it's fine i'm like okay it's really good attention yeah. Yeah. yeah so i guess as a group it's going through so many more filters yeah. and as a comic like i i've i i started an improv and sketch and i just went to stand up and that's what really what i do now but I, it's just me on my own so whenever i say something i'm accountable for it so that's how i hold myself as a comic is that whatever ideas I bring to the stage, whether they're positive or negative, like I have to stand behind them and people will remember that. So. And you riff yeah. a lot. Like I've, I've seen you several times and you're not always giving us set material. You're, you're I often. I riff most of the time, yeah. It's like, it's like it's watching Dan Harmon in Harmontown and being like, how on earth is that person funny for that long with no, with yeah. no jokes? Like you have the same sort of skill of like, you could just go off on the, at, like just talk. And we're, yeah. all, and we're all laughing. Mm-hmm. And, and like, so you have to be in the act of self-censoring while you're doing that. That's I, hard. Yeah. It's, it's become harder as I've become more known as like, as queer, as trans, as an ally, as a like pillar to my community, as like a mentor to young queer comics, self-censoring as I go, especially if I've had a couple drinks. Like I wasn't always as progressive as I am or I, whatever, what woke or whatever. I, I'm from Winnipeg originally. And I used to say a lot of really offensive shit because I wasn't, I was so uneducated and I just followed along with what other people said. And now it's like I have all the edu- education with me is just trying to be a good ally while I'm just like being an idiot on stage. There's like this line that I'm like, whoa, whoa. like, <laughs> but that I that I, that I am so educated and I do believe in the things that it ha- that the, the, the like the lessons I've learned as I've grown up and become an adult is that I it's easier to riff now and it's easier to not ever hurt anybody's feelings because I, be- I believe in the things that I... Does that make yeah. sense? Yes, that yeah. makes yeah. sense. And it's like about like internalizing if some... those lessons that you like 
instead yeah. of like yeah. i feel like whenever we learn like when when i for an example like uh, my mom said something to me and i was like that's transphobic and it immediately made her cry oh. because phobia is ugly and we don't want to see ourselves that way but being accountable for our actions and changing is the only way that we can grow as humans and yeah. when when some white lady is like it's just some even if i don't know if she's gay or not and she's like you said this on stage and i'm like if somebody from that community it would have been more impactful if someone from that community if they had told me i was ableist but i will still take this if if someone that that is it, someone heard what i said and was might have been offended and mm -hmm. you just happen to be the person speaking up then i will change my language because yeah. it's i don't want it to come from someone that i've actually hurt who is in the shoes that the person is representing do you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. and you know, once you recognize like your own humanity and, and the ways in which um, uh, we are othered or seen as less than for for whatever whatever reason, then I think uh, when, when you when you really address that um, in yourself and, and realize that you are taking away like in small bits and pieces in, in these kind of microaggressive kind of ways in ways that are not necessarily intentional, uh, but intent doesn't matter when the outcome intent doesn't fucking matter is someone yeah. is is hurt. And is bringing this to your attention because we all, I, all of us, uh, I think we've had those moments where, like, oh, do I say something to that person? Do I, I, ugh. okay, okay, you know what? No, I'm not gonna swallow this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something. And sometimes those people are just like, oh my god, like, get a life. It was a yeah. joke. Like, <laughs> what's what's wrong with you? Like, go dive in a pool. I don't know. Like, just go yeah. away. Like. Yeah. And it's it is that's that's very tough. That's that's well, it's hard. not so always it's... worth it. I just feel like a change in yourself is the only way that you can affect positive change because like other people around you, you're not responsible for them. Yeah. At the end yeah. of the day, it's just me. It's my voice that I'm responsible for. Mm -hmm. So I change it or and grow or I'm just the same as someone else that I find so offensive or yeah. wrong. Yeah. I. Oh, what was I gonna say? Nope, lost it. No, it's good. <laughs> it'll come back. You know, it'll 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 come back. Don't worry. So. Sarah Silverman program followed really shortly on the the heels of Jesus's magic, um, and she she in Jesus's magic she worked with her sister Laura, Steve Agi and Brian Passane, who also show up later in mm -hmm. in the Sarah Silverman program. She also has worked with like Doug Benson, Harris Whittles, Rob Schraub, Bob Odenkirk, and like a ton of other people. Like as comedians, do you do you feel it's like how how important are these like networks that we build up of of other comedians and people that use your team like everything it's the only it's way to get things. a job it's the what? only way to get books if you're not part of that community then you're you don't have work you don't mm. have like every major gig i've ever got every uh, major role or um or part or whatever has been through someone I know. It's not from like going and auditioning all the time or, you know, trying to get like as many sets in as possible at comedy clubs. Like it helps. That helps so much. But then to be like uh, good friends with people who you like and respect and who in turn like and respect you. I mean, that's mm -hmm. where uh, the joy and beauty of, of collaboration comes in or even just like getting your foot in the door. Like, yeah, yeah. it's everything. 100% all the things. <laughs> I guess I, I used to, I, I, I feel like I'm friends with everybody in the comedy community because I can just like put away my differences with some of them and just, <laughs> but I, uh, the people I surround myself with now, I feel like I, 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 I'm around with so many queer people because I basically invented a queer comedy scene so that I could exist better and more just speak from my voice and feel 
better about what I was putting out there. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to find what I'm saying here. I used to just like, I hung out with so many men and was like, just, it, it is who you know, but now I surround myself with people that are like-minded and that who, who don't make fun of my voice. Like people yeah. will be like, oh, that's retarded or whatever. Like the way you, you just like stand up for too many things and you just are so PC. I'm like, well, if that's, if you just said, I, I don't like the R word, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find what I'm saying. I, <laughs> we're here. We're here with you. No worries. <laughs> I like myself better as a person that's trying to be progressive and surrounding myself with people that feel the same way as me than I did being agreeing with just anything that any male comic did or said. And the people I surround myself with get me the work that I want to do and not the stuff that I used to do as like a young female comic that was like, of course, yeah, I'll stop talking about being gay. Whatever you say, white man that's telling me what to do. Like it's that there's there's power in people, you know, but there's also power in completely being yourself and surrounding yourself with people that you, you want to work with. That's Does that a make great sense? point. Yes. Yeah. And thank you for that clarification. Um, there is, oh boy, especially like the, the longer you work and the more you realize like, oh God, these things coming out of my mouth aren't my words or like I don't recognize the sound of my own voice right now yeah. and trying to please other people or thinking that, uh, especially if you're starting out, that you can't turn down any work yeah. or turn yeah. or say no to anyone which is oh no that's not uh, and it is tough when you're starting to navigate that to figure out like who those like jackasses are yeah um, who was actually in a position of power to get you something or if they're all talk or if you want to work with them like is money worth yeah. what you're what you're putting the the what you're putting out yeah. by working with someone that you don't really agree with or see eye to eye yeah exactly and i'm willing to give most people like just a chance just you know at least one just uh so like yeah i'll hop on your set or like yeah i've maybe i've seen work that you've done before and i'm not like yeah but maybe you've gotten better and i'll uh, i will uh, see that for myself and then uh usually what happens is it's like oh god no i'm uh well i'm out <laughs> i have a life goodbye um and it, that does feel really really good um in uh, what you're talking about, but creating a scene for yourself. Um, and not only for yourself, but but creating space for others who are like you or, um, or, or just want to be around that kind of energy is, I just, that's so, that's so fucking cool. Man, that's so, I just didn't, so cool. I didn't like the person I was coming up in stand-up or who I had to talk to or what I had to say to be okay with. I was never okay with myself. And yeah. I was like, I, now that I'm out as a trans person, I... I get to make, I, I feel like the most of the work that I get is work that I make for myself. Like I'll record my own album, make my own comedy scene, produce my own shows that I can see the headliners I want to see. Cause I was, I'm just tired of relying on people to give me or find me work or put me in a box. Like yeah. I'm a trans guy and I don't look like a guy. And like, I don't know people like the, uh, the, the auditions I get offered are kind of offensive and, I just, if I don't create the work or the voice for myself and I don't surround myself with the people I want to be around, then why am I doing this? So, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's the, that I, you see it more in comedy sometimes, but like that's the mentality you need to have as a creator. If, if you're just there to be a tool in someone else's kit, I, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, um, it took me like 14, like 13 or 14 years to be where I am where I can be like, turn that down or just be like, 
I'd rather be at my queer open mic that I just make a little bit like I make a little bit of money, but I get to support all these queer kids. I'd rather yeah. be here than anywhere else. It, it, if you're just starting out in comedy, that's so scary to think about starting your own room or going against like a guy that's in a position of power yeah. to you, which he's most likely not because we're all very poor. <laughs> like it doesn't fucking matter. I just it took me a long time to realize that everybody like everybody talks a big talk, but if you you just if you create the things for yourself, you don't have to you don't have to take jobs from anybody. You don't have to work with people you don't like. You don't have to compromise your ideals or the person that you are. It's it just works out a lot better. But I don't think that everybody has that that takes a lot to do yeah. that, you know? When people want to see you, that's why they came out. Like like that's mm -hmm. that's the other thing that you have to remember. It's like like having self value and that's very hard for me. Oh. I do it a lot for like I whatever whenever I make queer stages, I'm like because I don't want, I never would want like some of the queer kids like they they just get to come out and be like completely themselves and to explain for a, even the half of a sip of a wine cooler who they are or why they are. They just start talking about like heteronormative language, and I'm like, oh my god! Like if I ever if I ever did that coming up, like I would I wouldn't work. And I just being able to see them and seeing them never have to be like, thank you so much for thank you. I'll stop talking about being gay. Thank you for marginalizing you know like yeah, for well, making me feel small yeah. as a woman. Thank you so like the things I that I had to face coming up as a comic like they don't have to do that, and that's the only reason why any of my spaces exist because I don't want like it was gross yeah the comedy you've been in comedy you've been like it's gross it was gross and it is still gross but we can I don't know the I mean I, it's weird because I started in burlesque so my my experience was surrounded by women so I have this I have this bizarre world where it's like don't women run comedy I, I don't understand just assume. I just created my own bubble to exist in and then I don't have it's to deal it's great with. when you live in your own bubble like when I now when I go to other places or go to an open mic like what the fuck is happening here <laughs> what, what is, is this a tire fire yeah I found oh accidentally how do you have moms like it just, it's just <laughs> shocking yeah and they blame I, them for everything I am in my own bubble because when I go out I'm like these things that I fight that I fight against yeah. still are happening they're just not happening in my little bubble that's a yeah um there's like uh some open mics i've been to um where I, like i'm just like this is not the scene that i know and i'm like pretty invested in the yeah. scene i you know I, I i i know a lot of people i perform around a lot of places but clearly not in these places holy it's insane i went to i went to comedy bar on and comedy bar is my space like that's like i i take my album there that's my that's my place you know mm -hmm. and i went there and there was like these kid they, these young kids doing like a bucket on a tuesday and i was there to see one of my gabies b he was doing a set on riot at comedy bar and i we just stayed there and ended up getting drunk because we were there from like 8 p.m and then it's like 11 o'clock we're going out for a smoke or whatever sounds like a great tuesday it was a really <laughs> great tuesday yeah i don't get to hang out with like those friends a lot and there i was both with two like with two queer trans people and like people just came like white men just came they were like I need to talk to you because like we just looked I don't know different interesting we were a magnet but we were outside and these kids were like how long you been doing comedy and like talking to me and I was like oh my god you don't have any idea oh and I'm like 13 years and they're like oh my god holy shit wow well I hope to get your set around sometime I'm like this is insane you have no <laughs> idea like it's just like not that I would be someone or who am I like you don't know who I am, but just like, but it's, also it's like so you don't know who you are. Come on. <laughs> it's so cute to just be like that. These guys that are going out and like being like they're, Oh, they're just these little tiny boys that are like telling their little offensive jokes. And like, yeah, I've been slinging jokes for about a year now. I'm like sick, sick, bud. <laughs> and just being outside comedy bar and just being like, what a different world. Oh my God. I'm not even a comic to you. <laughs> I'm just some lesbian in a weed shirt, but I'm not. <laughs> 
Just those were the best. Yeah, not a lesbian, and also I bought the weed jersey so that I could look like a dad watching my one of my gabies do stand up. Oh my god, <laughs> that's the cutest. Um, so, like, we've talked about how Sarah is a passionate progressive, and you know her television show I Love You America is kind of a testament to that, um, and how she loves her country now. How do you feel, you know, she, she has sort of backed off of, of Jesus's magic and mm-hmm. apologized. How do you th- feel she's evolved her material? Like what, what are your thoughts on, on how she's progressed as, as a comedian? She shows us her thought process a lot more. I think, I think we, we're seeing a lot of the math kind of when she's going out and doing things. She's letting us know how she gets from here to here to here. Like the comments that she's had about Louis CK have mm-hmm. all been these very well thought out comments that are not off the cuff, that are really showing you how she's thinking about it and she's not being twee. There's a real, and it's not cynical either. There's actually a real, an earned sentiment in, in what she does now, which I think is kind of interesting. And I think that's why people are curious to hear what Sarah Silverman has to say again, right? Like that's where she is right now. And, and you know. I haven't seen I Love You America. I saw one clip. I actually happened to see a clip of it yesterday. It was going around uh, the social medias. Um, and it was her taking a tour of the Hall of Presidents in Disney World after hours. And they're like, oh, but this place really comes to life after it closes. And she's like, so the robots come to life. And the woman's just like, yeah, yeah. And then walks off. <laughs> yeah. And all the robot presidents come to life. And John Hamm is playing um, Abraham Lincoln. So I'm just like, mm, Abraham Lincoln. All right. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> I, it's yeah. basically it turns into a commentary on how um, America has uh, always had problems, but you get over the worst of yourself by finding the best of yourself. Yeah. But then it also ends with all of the animatronics farting in each other's faces and just having a great time. It, it wouldn't so... be a Sarah, Sil- Sarah Silverman joke without farts or yeah. poo, yeah. Yeah. yeah, or poo or duty or duty. duty. Oh, yes. yeah. Sorry, the proper term is duty. duty. Yes, uh, but it's, you know, and they, she had another one where <laughs> it, it's almost like Sasha Baron Cohen's latest show mm. but without any of the maliciousness so it's like mm. like where she goes and has dinner with a bunch of trump supporting people from louisiana and it's not mean <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just sort of like you know we're all americans we all love this country we all want good just we need to realize that you know we're human too and you're human and we need to find respect each other's humanity I wonder how much she was influenced by Larry Wilmore because I kind of feel like his, um, um, not, what was it? What was his show called? Not Black on the Air. That's his podcast. What was the TV show? Crap. I have no idea. I I know. You don't know Larry Wilmore? I don't know him. Oh, he took over Stephen Colbert's spot on uh, Comedy Network after Stephen Colbert, um, moved on and they gave him like a year and a half and he's, um, He's this. Um, he he's a self-identified blurred black yeah. nerd. The, the um, nightly show with Larry Wilmore. He he was fantastic, oh. but he has this incredible ability to bring a lot of different voices to a table, and 
he calls himself we would have probably all identify him as a progressive but he calls himself a centrist and what he calls a centrist is someone whose mind can be changed by facts um, <laughs> and, and and so you listen to him talk and take in all these different uh, opinions personalities and, like really be able to negotiate and navigate and I feel something similar in Silverman with yeah. I Love You America and I know because Wilmore is an influential like script doctor and backroom writer and he helps out a lot of different people in the LA world that that we're not that we're all affected by mm -hmm. uh that, that i wonder if there's some sort of connection there because he he lost his show for being too uh you know centrist i i, I don't know why he had a, he has a loyal loyal following that 100 uh emoji yeah, it's from, from his show. That's from his show. Keeping it 100 is, is Larry Wilmore's... Wait, what? Yeah, yes, he, he yes. coined that. He coined that. Oh my that. God, I'm so yeah. sorry. That's how I'm going to remember him. Oh no, I'm sure he's done such <laughs> amazing work, but that is, that's what got That's me okay. Excited. I don't know any of Drake's music, but YOLO. It really, YOLO sticks up for I me. I didn't like any of Drake's music <laughs> until the nearest, until the most recent album. I Start from the bottom. It made me so upset. I'm like, you start it in Forest Hill. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, that is not even the bottom. I know, okay, even in the... Your definition of bottom is very different from my even definition. Even in the in the video, he's like from like I, I guess with the kids he worked at Shoppers Drug Mart with, like his friends from like Toronto, and I was like, yeah. you got a you had a job at Shoppers Drug Mart, dude, you're fine. <laughs> like I, I the office that I work my day job in, it's uh, right by his restaurant, like the Rick has a restaurant. He has the restaurant, and it is the most tacky as fuck thing. What in is the it? City. Which one? The six, and it's like oh it's like God. a six within a six, and it's like this. It's because you know he coined the six for Toronto, which is the stupidest nickname for this city. Like no, it's is it like we have six boroughs no or what? Yeah, it was no, because like four one six and six four seven area code. That's why. That's where it comes I assume from. that we had like uh, I I'm originally from Winnipeg. I've only lived here four years, and yeah. I I was like that's cool. Like I thought we had. Yeah, no. Almost community like, like six boroughs. That it's like six, yeah. yeah. I, I've heard that explanation, but I, then I, and I learned it's not that, that it was actually because yeah. that's, it's a short form of 416. Yeah. That's so gay. No shit. Sure. <laughs> 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 I take it back. Oh, oh, let's change it to that's so Drake. Like, that's, that's so Drake. Drake. That's so Drake. That's Drake. good. That's so Drake. Uh, but yeah, I walk by that place. It's actually closed for renovations, but it, it just... Yeah, didn't it, it burn down? Or am I thinking of a different restaurant? No, it was a different, different, yeah, different yeah. restaurant. It was like, it was a steakhouse, <laughs> and then they made it, so they gutted it, and it was like the steakhouse the bankers went to and had to have their events in. And it's when it, when Drake owned it? or Before. So oh, now, okay. Drake owned it, and it's, it looks like something from like a Trump wet dream. It's just gold everywhere, and just ridiculous, like, it's this ridiculous, sort of over, like, overplayed, horrible-looking, tacky place. Wow. And it's really expensive, but it's apparently the food is crap. So it's like, it's it kind of represents Drake in so many ways. Yeah. Rock's a big game, but oh. it's really fucking milk toast. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 what was it? There's a Ghostface Killer, like not, there's someone that goes by that that like writes blogs and he oh, puts Oh yeah, up, that wasn't, um, uh, he do those like music reviews. He does like a yeah. list every year of like the, the like the, the whitest rappers, the softest the rappers. The rappers in the game. And he put the, people I, think it's Donald Glover who's secretly writing that. That's, that's the really? theory. Yeah. So that would be really funny and great. I, I can and, believe it. <laughs> but he, Drake makes it like every year on that list as like, I think number one, I don't know. I don't have enough information, but there was just a picture of him dressed up as Frodo in this list and like all the 
like oh my goodness. the things he did growing up in Forest Hill and uh, being like a very privileged little actor the, and everything. There was a debate. Dressed as Frodo and he's like <laughs> so happy with his like little elf ears. I like that actually. I, I just to think of that and to think of him now, like yeah. it's just really well, yeah. Speaking of Drake, so Sarah Silverman. I just I was like, no, wait a minute. Drake is a more talented comedian. Sarah Silverman is a more talented comedian than thing, I get yeah. than Drake is. Uh, anyways, I like The Weekend. That's where I fall on. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I fall on Toronto. Um, so, do you, do you guys um, can you think of any comedians that may have been inspired by Sarah Silverman that you feel have like sort of built their voice out of what she's built before? I don't. Uh, I can definitely see like it's not exactly the same, but Amy Schumer following in the yeah fo- for like, sure the footsteps 100%. that hundred percent Sarah yeah. Silverman put out. Yeah, if would one hundred emoji. Yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> uh, TV show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Garfield and Oates you already mentioned. I think they were influenced by by her. Um, someone else in my brain that I have now forgotten already. Yeah, it's, oh, it's tough on the spot to think of. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Amy Schumer is really the only one I can think of right now. Dan, Dan Harmon. Um, until he, they got in a, into a big fight and got kicked off the show. Well, no, that, but, but that, that actually was that because that 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 he was, was on what her Sarah Silverman program. He's he was, one of the people who created the show, yeah. and he got kicked off. Yeah. She fired him. She fired because him. he's notoriously horrible to work with. He yeah. gets fired from so many shows, and he keeps getting jobs. Yeah. Anyway, is he what? Because he's like, mis- he's just a, no, he's not. Mis- he's just a dick. He's, oh. he's got. He's like just well. He's a self-destructive he's, alcoholic. Yeah, he's a self-destructive yeah. alcoholic who is, oh, he's, hates he, people. Like oh, he, he is yeah, Morty. He Rick. is Rick. Yes. He yeah. is Rick. Yeah. And, um, like, he thinks but, he's smarter than everyone else in the room. But, wow. but I mean, yeah. to his credit, I mean, I used to listen to this smart. podcast <laughs> a lot. And it's just like, I can't listen to this guy because he hates humanity so much. It's just like painful. But every once in a while, he'll make a mistake. And he's like, oh, shit, I'm in the wrong here. And then tries to correct. So I'm like, he's human. He's flawed. I just keep I watch his material and I just keep him at an arm's length but you, you can see yeah I can see a lot of him where he came from Sarah Silverman like yeah, there's th- that influenced him a lot and being fired by her influenced him uh, he credits that as being one of the things that influenced him um, so I know that, that huh. Dan Harmon has wow, on the record cool. said that Sarah Silverman influenced him both by hiring him and by firing him yeah. and they remain friends to this day and they remain friends they, they, to this yeah. day so it was, it was more like this I like you but I can't work with you yeah that's <laughs> yeah. fair yeah um yeah I think I think I think I, I think that uh any um female in comedy would be I don't know she's a voice you know like it's just like Tig and her were coming up at the same time Right? Yeah. Because yeah, she was on the show. They collaborated a lot. Together. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know who Tigna, watching Sarah Silverman show, I didn't know who, t- I was like, why would she hire this lesbian that can't act? And then I was like, oh, that's Tignatar. Because <laughs> oh I never knew what Tig looked like. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, that's really Tig funny. Tig really does have one character. Yeah, and she's <laughs> terrible. And she's terrible at it. Even her, <laughs> even acting her, like she's a, she's so amazing. Obviously, yeah, I love Tignataro. Incredible, Tignataro. Incredible, comedian, incredible comedian, but... incredible person. But she's like, it's just like Tina Fey. Like she can't. Yeah, <laughs> Tina Fey There's... is always Tina Fey. Yeah, and you love Tina Fey. But yeah, you go or, in knowing or anyone. Sarah Palin. She can do that yeah. one. Yeah, that's really, well, like, really but well. like when when when. Uh, when Tina Fey is acting, though, you believe it. Like when I see her on in the on Kimmy Schmidt or on anything, she's like an okay sketch actor. Yeah. But Tig is just like it's it's painful. Yeah, she's but that's the... how she talks. Like she has like such a monotone. Yeah. Like yeah. that's actually how who she is. Yeah. She's <laughs> actually going to be on the next Star Trek season. What as a recurring character. 
So like, um, so she's like influenced Rain by Sarah Silverman to go on Star Trek. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Got there. Like Rain Wilson was in the first season of Discovery. She's going to be in the second oh. season. So. Oh my and god. Because you guys didn't. Because you guys gasped when we talked about her being on Voyager, and you, we never got there. Yeah. So I just have to say, the episode of Voyager, and it's a two-part episode oh, that she was baby. on, is one of those ones where they go back in time to Earth. Of course. So so it's them in 1990s California yes. meeting a Sarah Silverman type. Like she is literally playing a Sarah. Silverman type on like, the like, show. Like she's those 90s crop top shirt and like the big chunky sneakers and it's, it's just she's so 90s. It's, oh my god. It's like, it's like what on earth is going on? This has this has changed everything it's for me. It's a brilliant have episode of it's not a brilliant it's, it's actually one of the worst episodes of Of course ever. it is. But it's beautiful and they have to fight this this evil um, guy from, from Voyager's future like even farther in the future who's come back and lost something and then another evil guy has like future technology. And, and he lost it in the 90s. 90s? He lost it in the 90s. I don't know. I, 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 they're 90s. The I 90s lost again. a lot of shit in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that seems to be a good place to I am it. such a sucker for a time travel episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Real, uh, for me, always better than a holodeck episode. Always. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's just phoning it in. But if it's time, right? Yeah. That's, that's just, oh, yeah. So we can't be or do. Oh, oh, we're on a, yeah. oh, we're on a fucking holodeck. Cool. Hey, can yes, I have the crew dress up as a Mark Twain guy? I don't know. We're just going Just so we can just bring in anything we want. Oh, man. Such a sellout. And I'm like, I don't want to get to know that character. Get out of the holodeck. We got a bunch of costumes from like a 1930s detective thing we got to reuse. Okay. Oh, I remember Picard's that. Picard's really <laughs> into 1930s noir now. Yeah. yeah. Like, but, so but, but if Broccoli was on the holodeck, then that was... Then it turns into like oh, a weird enough. kinky yes. thing. Who's yeah. Broccoli? Is, uh, he, oh, Lieutenant, uh, was it Barkley? Dave, uh, Barkley? Barkley. Yeah. Um, oh, no, I just said Dave Barkley. What he does, he is, is what every real person would do if the holodeck existed, which is make basically slash fiction of all of their coworkers that they want to sleep with. Really? Yeah, every, yeah. everyone like, would it's, it's like, okay, let's, let's be realistic everybody's like oh i'm going back to renaissance england or like blah 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 and it's like no no you know you're not hanging out with da vinci or like shakespeare or something you're you're, you're getting sexy time on like mm. let's, let's uh, yes unless you i have no idea who that character is yet no i didn't watch it no. <laughs> it's like he was not over your homework after today <laughs> is to go episode? home and watch all no because he has several tng episodes but he's also on He's in all of them. He ends up on Voyager somehow, like through a wormhole. Uh, like, yeah. I only watched like I've only watched like a few episodes of each because I, I I had an ex, I had a boyfriend once. Uh, my ex boyfriend Nick. He was a uh, he he was a weed dealer, and I was like seventeen, eighteen, and I really loved weed. And when I went to his house, I got to smoke weed for free. But when he tried to kiss me, I'd leave. So that's how, where the where it went. And we would just watch Star Trek, and he'd try to touch my boobs, and I'd be like, I'm leaving. <laughs> they stopped sm smoking weed, and I just never <laughs> talked to him again. Why would you? That's what you get for dating a guy. <laughs> I don't know. That was rude. <laughs> it's not untrue. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so just uh, any... Turns out I'm just a guy. Thanks for the weed, man. <laughs> and, that, and that's why gay couples always keep their weed supply level. Yeah. So no one ever leaves. <laughs> <laughs> um, so any closing thoughts on the album? I It was uh, shockingly painful to listen to. Uh, shockingly so. But once again, there were these moments of, of true subversion of real, like just quality construction in yeah. those jokes and, and the way she delivered them. I thought that was excellent, but also just... There's a difference between like riding a line and then just like 
like kicking the line somehow like away and just being like no lines anymore bitches <laughs> all right motherfucker <laughs> dicks and mouse everywhere yeah um actually that's fine dicks and mouse everywhere that's okay whatever yeah. um but yeah just as long um, as everyone's represented in the dicks and the mouse uh, yes yeah. yes absolutely yeah Inclu- inclusion <laughs> inclusion um yeah. some of those dicks are strap-ons <laughs> yeah exactly that's good. thank yeah. you um yeah so just uh yeah just listening to that and and hearing where it was like this this is just it's so much and it's painful like and it's just it's this is should never be around so yeah yeah that's those are my very cogent thoughts i think there's a time and a place for everything just like uh eddie murphy's content like people love that and it really shook up comedy but there's a time and place for everything it was a long time ago i don't know I, she taught me uh, when I was just start, starting to think about going into comedy and was starting as a comic that if I was really put down for being a woman in comedy and I was like, ne- I felt like never got the same respect even though I was doing better or, you know, the same or better than the men that I was around. She taught me that I could just like push, like push my limits, not the line, push my limits and actually just like the things that I thought were funny were funny and I could bring them to the stage. Like she does like a duet with her vagina and her bum at the end. Yes, you yes. know, when she like, like amazing grace. Yes. Yeah. She's amazing grace <laughs> with her butt and her vagina. And I was like that, that just like be like, like embracing your inner child and bringing that to the stage. Like not all the racist stuff or the offensive, like putting down sex workers, all the offensive stuff. Just, she just, there's a childlike whimsy to Sarah Silverman, especially in Jesus is magic when she was just one of her first specials. Right. Okay. So, I don't know. She just taught me that I, I, I could be myself on stage and be respected for it. So I thank her for that. But then let's bury Jesus' magic for now because it did not <laughs> yeah. age uh, uh, okay in any way. Yeah, if it rises again, let's hope it's uh, better than it was. And uh, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's something about her grandma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it rises a, again. It's a time capsule. It. <laughs> like it, it's from the past. It should stay in the past. I don't begrudge. Like there, there's like that joke about um, where she realizes that she's turning into her mother that joke gets quoted all the time and there's like there's some nuggets in there yeah. as someone who does sometimes go into shocking stuff when I do more bouffant things I'm like it, it reminded me like just like you know nothing goes away anymore and, and be careful like th- really think everything through but no I, I did enjoy the fact that she did it in the same way that Eddie Murphy was this crossover comedian because I think he was one of the like him and Richard Pryor like, like really broke um, black comedy out to a whole new generation of people and he was like the top grossing comedian in the world for for a moment and then mm-hmm. so I think there's something with Sarah Silverman like breaking through that the male douche door of, of what stand up comedy could be in so many clubs and being like you guys can tell those jokes but I can't just kick the door down yeah we can do that too like, like the door needs to be kicked down but now the door is down and no like so she got to, she did it that's why she's doing different stuff now. Right. That's yeah. why she's doing different stuff now, and and we can all learn structure and timing from her. <laughs> I, I um, okay, so this episode is going to go up next week. Um, we'll, we'll start start with you, Shanti. Anything you want to plug? Um, I am the first uh, out trans person to ever do uh, to be one of the forty two in JFL forty two. So I have. Um, shows uh all through the 20th to the 29th and i'll be doing uh uh competing in uh, uh sirius xm's top comic on the sep- september 27th and also i'm dropping my album the shanty show on october 27th at comedy bar at 9 p.m yeah yeah i'm looking forward to that um yeah I, i'm finishing my summer tour so i like I, i'm doing one more adult baby cupid show on the 21st right. and that's going to be at the social capital theater 
and that's probably the last time that we're going to do this variation of him because the issues that he deals with will be different next year because time stops for no one. Time is time. Time is time. Time is time. Thank you. Time flies like a banana and time flies like an arrow. And yeah, so that's that's my big one coming up. And I'm also doing another one the day before at SoCap doing a different show. <laughs> Um, perfect match. So, oh, that's such a fun show! I'm looking forward to it so much. So, <laughs> so I'll be doing. I'll be doing. I'm basically moving into the Social Capital Theater next cool. weekend. I will just stay there and have a cot in the just back. Stay out of the main level or the basement because it's a different. It's actually a different bar. Yeah, it is. Eh? <laughs> I went in there one night. and I was like, I feel like this is a different bar. <laughs> <laughs> the sad old man funny bar. Yeah, yeah. Like I was drinking a fifty, and I was like, What am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> the fir- the first really time have become like everything. Yeah, that- yeah. <laughs> the first time we recorded there I, i'd never been to the socap prior to that and i was like is this the right place <laughs> yeah oh yeah. i should mention Bellevilleville the first tuesday of every month at the monarch tavern um where um, a group of people do long form improv about 1970s belleville ontario because that's hysterically funny um and it actually really is um so if you've ever wanted to see what belleville ontario might have been like in a drug user's uh, adult memory, because it's a flat. The entire show is a flashback. Uh, come and okay. come and see come and see the weirdest <laughs> long form improv show in Toronto. All right. Yes. Yes. Do you have anything? Uh, yeah, I've got. Uh, let's see. Coming up on the on September twenty second, I'm going to be participating um, uh, and helping to run this uh, like meta improv game at the Hand Eye Society Ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is. Uh, all about like um, indie video games and developers in Toronto and from around Canada. And so um, I, I'm still, I just got some of the details about this yesterday. So like, well, I guess we'll see what it is when we show up, but it has, uh, there's gamification in it. Uh, there's improv and it's going to, I guess, be wild. And also it's a fancy ball. So you can dress up and play lots of uh, video games that are debuting for the first time. Sweet. There's drinks, yeah. there's food. Uh, so it's going to be at uh, 918 Bathurst uh, at the Arts Centre in there. So that'll be fun. Um, I don't know. What else do I have? Uh, I'm on like 9,000 podcasts. Just like Google my name and podcast and like uh, they'll all come up if you like how my voice sounds. So yeah, that's what I got going on. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Comedy Album uh, Book Club podcast. Thanks to our guests, Shanti Mrostica, uh, at Shanti Mrostica on Twitter, uh, Kat Letwin at Letwin KA on Twitter, and Adam Bailey at Still Your Friend on Twitter. Um, so thanks again to everyone. Please remember uh, you can find Comedy Album Book Club on all your favorite podcast providers. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review as that helps get the word out about the podcast. Take care and keep laughing. Chat. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Never gonna get it, never gonna get it. Never gonna get it. Gonna get it. So we're also recording your theme song. (laughs) Time for a new theme song. Second season. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. 
rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.